1: Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hello, everyone, everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. We're so blessed that you could join us today. And let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we'll get started in today's exciting broadcast about faith, doubt, and unbelief. Glory to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this day thanking you for our salvation Thanking you for sending the Holy Spirit to us. Thanking you for loving us so much you gave Jesus for us. That we could receive the forgiveness of sins, the gift of everlasting life, the gift of the Holy Spirit. That we may have the mind of Christ and know all things. We ask this day to be guided by your Holy Spirit as we go through the scriptures and study your word that you may be glorified in all things. To you we give all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Join me in our confession of faith. Hallelujah, commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed. I like starting with this because it establishes the foundation upon which we're going to be studying the Scriptures. Amen. I mean, everything has to come back to these basic elements. We don't want to lay a foundation other than the foundation of Christ. We do not want to try and establish our own foundation. You know, like, oh, we'll believe this part of the Bible, but leave the other part out. No. All the words of the Bible are inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Word is Jesus. He is the foundation upon which... We lay and build and live and reside and abide. Amen. Repeat these words after me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born by the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, He was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits now at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from where he shall come soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, and I believe the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the communion of saints, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And I believe in life everlasting. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17. Now, Jesus here is taking... Peter, James, and John, James' brother, and bringing them up into a high mountain. And this is the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, I don't have it written down here. Let's see if I can find it. No. Uh, I got it elsewhere in my notes for a different study. But this mountain was the mountain... Upon which, in the little cove or inlet uh, cutting in the mountain, a pagan shrine that it was a cave in what we would refer to as a bottomless pit is like six, seven hundred feet down. But it was a cave in which uh, it was in the pagan culture of that area. Described as Hades, uh, the the entrance to hell itself. And babies would be sacrificed at this pagan offering. And, and thrown down into the pit of hell as an offering to the demonic spirits. Or I should say the pagan spirits. Now, it was at this Point that Jesus was uh, leading his disciples, they walked around behind and up to the top, and now they're on top of this mountain and looking down at the pagan shrine, which is the commonly referred to as the pit of hell or the gates to hell and Here he was transfigured before his disciples. And they, seeing the glorification of his body, it says in verse 2 that his face shined as the sun and his raiment was as white as light. The glorified body of Jesus, the glory that he had with the Father was radiating through him. And Moses and Elijah came to talk with him. And we read elsewhere, talk to him about what's going to happen in Jerusalem. They're giving him encouragement. They're saying, this is what's going to happen. Don't let it surprise you. And the disciples seen it. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you want, we'll make here three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now, this is... Coming up on the Feast of Tabernacles, so they were thinking, "Well, we'll make these booths and we'll make, you know, and we'll just hang out here with Moses and Elijah and you. This is going to be great." And while he yet spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and the voice of God spoke out of the cloud It said, "This." Is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye Him or listen to Him. In other words, don't worry about all this other stuff. Listen to what Jesus has to say. When the disciples heard that, they fell on their face, uh, completely afraid. And Jesus came and touched them, said, Rise up, don't be afraid. Why was He saying that? Because they're in the presence of the Son who's loved by the Father. Amen. As long as they are with Jesus, they don't have anything to worry about. Amen. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell this vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah has to come first? And Jesus said to them, Elijah's truly first must come and restore all things. But I'm telling you, Elijah's already come. And they didn't know him, but they did to him whatever they wanted to. Likewise also shall the Son of Man suffer of them. Then they understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. All right. we, We laid the background of what just happened. now, as they came down to the multitude, verse 14, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him, saying, Now, you got to measure this. They're coming down. There's a whole crowd of people there. And you can read over in uh, Mark uh, chapter 9, and verse 14 there also. He came to his disciples, saw a great multitude around them, The scribes were questioning the disciples. And immediately all the people, when they seen Jesus, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, "Okay, Why are you questioning them? Or what questions do you have of them? And then one of the multitude said, Master, I brought to you my son, which has a dumb spirit. Wheresoever he takes him, he tears at him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. I spoke to your disciples that they should cast them out, and they couldn't. And he answered him and said, "O oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring him to me, over here in Matthew." It says, uh, "Where am I at here? Verse fourteen, fifteen. Lord, have mercy on my son. He's a lunatic, sorely vexed. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and often into the water." I brought him to your disciples. I brought him to your followers, but they could not cure him. And Jesus said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Notice in both chapters that Jesus says the same thing as is being testified to by the disciples, by the apostles. Bring him here to me. The Father came to Jesus, asking him to heal his son. Jesus rebuking his disciples. He's not rebuking the Father. He's rebuking the disciples. Amen? Because he has already given his disciples, 70 of them, Power to cast out demons, power to heal the sick. Do you remember that? When he sent the 70 out two by two? Amen. He said, you have power over all unclean spirits. You have the power to cast out uh, demons and heal the sick. Amen. So, he's upset with the disciples because uh, they're not following through on what Jesus told them to do. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 10. This is a case where he, he's giving his 12 disciples. He says, he called, Matthew 10, 1, When he called to him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Amen. So he gave them that power. And he commanded them, uh, we read a little further in verse 5, Don't go in the way of the Gentiles, or in any city of the Samaritans. Do not enter, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you've received, freely give. Amen. So he has given his disciples charge for that. And later, uh, we read where they came back to Jesus and said, you know, they came back praising God and praising Jesus, saying, even devils are subject to us when we use your name. And he said, don't rejoice in the fact that the devils are subject to you. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Amen. Now here, just a few weeks later, Is a child that the Father brought to these same disciples, and they cannot heal him. And it's getting frustrating for them. Now, I can see the disciples praying for this man or for the son. In the name of Jesus, come out of him. In the name of Jesus be healed. And that's when he goes into these fits, amen. Uh, just like when they brought him to Jesus over in Mark chapter nine, it says as a dumb spirit, whenever it wants, it takes him and tears at him, and he begins to foam and gnash with his teeth and and pine away. It means you know, just stiff as a board. I spoke to your disciples; they cast him out, but they couldn't. And. When he brought him to Jesus, when the spirit saw Jesus, the spirit began to tear at him, and he fell on the ground, wallowing and foaming. And Jesus asked him in Mark 9, 21, How long, has it, how long ago has it, sent, has it been since this came to him? He says since he was a child. So this is not just a nine or ten year old boy. This is almost a grown man. In verse 22, the father rehearsing in the ears of the Messiah, in the ears of one that it is believed can heal the sick and cast out devils, he's rehearsing the problem. He says oftentimes it's cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. If you can do anything, have compassion on us. On me and my son. Have compassion on us. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Amen. And Jesus said in verse 23, Mark 9, verse 23, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Amen. John 3.8 says, For this purpose, Jesus was manifested. Jesus spoke to the devil and evil spirits, rebuking them. And then, as we already studied, we have the same power in his name. We should be doing the same thing. Here, Jesus is telling the Father who said, If you can do anything, help us. And Jesus said, If? If I can do anything? If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. says, If you can believe, you can do this. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. And then he adds, Help thou my unbelief. So here we see a clear example where faith and unbelief, faith and Doubt and unbelief are operating in the same person at the same time. A lot of times you'll hear people say, well, if you had faith to believe, then this wouldn't be impossible. You know, cast out your unbelief. Cast out your doubt. Only believe. That's easier said than done. Now, granted, the father of this child, the father of this boy, had not been with Jesus for this two years up to this point or whatever it is. He has not sat completely under the teachings of Jesus. He's not one of the 70 disciples that are personally taught by Jesus. He's definitely not one of the 12 of the inner circle of Jesus. But still, he has heard that Jesus heals everyone who comes to him. So he traveled, it doesn't say how far, but he brought his boy to see Jesus. And when he got to the camp where they were at, Jesus wasn't there. And he asked the disciples, because obviously they were probably like, we, you know, one, the fathers probably heard that the disciples of Jesus are doing the works of Jesus. And two, they probably came up to the father and said, bring the boy here. We'll pray for him. We'll take care of this. And as they, the disciples, prayed, for and I have a feeling that it started with one of the lower disciples who prayed for the boy and said, come out of him in the name of Jesus. And the demon that was in him started wallowing and foaming at the boy's mouth and throwing him around. That He began to doubt whether the word he spoke worked. And passed it on up the chain. Went and got his buddy. Hey, come here and help me with this prayer of agreement here, you know. And that didn't work. So then they took him to the, the uh apostles, the twelve, well, there's three that weren't there, so the nine. And said, Hey, you know, we got a good one here, boys. You need to come here and, and do your thing. And they rehearsed the problem in the ears of the Apostles that were still in the camp. And they came and prayed. And the same thing happened. And they were like, this allowed doubt. They began to doubt that this word was going to work on this case. They doubted. And when as soon as they doubted that the word they were speaking was working, unbelief came in. They began to have unbelief that the power that Jesus had given them was working in this instance and in this case. Amen. Now Jesus shows up, and the Father begs Jesus to help him. And as we study, Jesus said over in Mark, he said, if you can believe all things are possible, To him who believes. And this father said, Lord, I believe. He is stating with his mouth. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The first thing this father says is, Lord, I believe. And then his mind starts working. You believe what? His disciples couldn't do it. His apostles, his hand-selected bunch of guys that he's with 24 hours a day. They couldn't do it. And the father realizes this is in his heart. And he says, Lord, help the unbelief that is in me. Help that. Because I believe in you, is what he's saying here. And when Jesus saw that people were running together, this is Mark nine twenty-five. When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the foul spirit saying to him, You dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you, come out of him and enter no more into him. Amen. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 18, it says, Jesus rebuked the devil, and the devil departed out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. Back over in Mark 9, in verse 26, And the spirit cried and ripped him sore and came out of him. And the boy was as one dead. In so much that many said, he is dead. The spirit was defeated. It was cast out. But it had such physical powers over this boy, you know, if you can picture someone in a major epileptic fit, this is probably the epileptic spirit. And he's physically 100% spent. This devil was trying to kill him before he came out. He knew he had to leave, but he was trying to kill him before he came out. And the boy was physically, 100% physically exhausted, and just laid there, passed out. That it appeared Jesus had lost. That this spirit killed the boy. That's what did it look like. That's what the scripture says. But Jesus, in verse 27, took him by the hand and lifted him up. When Jesus grabbed his hand, the power of the anointing, flowed back through that boy's body. And I can just see him lifting up his head, and Jesus telling him, come on, get up. I'll help you up. And he got up, amen, and he arose and gave him back to his father. Amen. And verse 19 in Matthew chapter 17 says, Then the disciples came to Jesus, once they are apart from everybody, and said, Why couldn't we cast him out? the same thing over here in mark 9 verse 28 and when he come into the house separated from everyone else his disciples asked him privately why couldn't we cast him out and verse 29 says this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting all right let's go back over to Matthew chapter 19, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, I love this, this scripture here. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. In the authority of the words that you speak, there was unbelief. For verily I say to you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Remove here to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. So your belief, or I should say your unbelief, the unbelief that is in you can negate the faith that's working in you. That's what happened to the disciples when the father brought the boy to the disciples. They prayed and the devil was like, we're going to rip him again. The devil was probably leaving. And as the foaming and the gnashing and the twisting and all that flopping on the ground is going on, the devil's trying to hold on to the boy. The disciples had already commanded that demon to leave. It planted the seed of unbelief in the minds of the disciples. And they probably said, I don't know why this isn't working, which allowed the devil, the demon that was in that boy, to stay. Because now there was doubt in their words. And the devil was allowed to hold on to that and re-enter the boy and start twisting and foaming and gnashing and flopping and all that again. So now when the disciples go to get the next level, you know, there's supervisors in the group or whatever, ultimately up to the apostles that were still there in the camp, what are they saying? They're rehearsing the unbelief and planting the seeds of the unbelief into each next level of the disciples up to the apostles. They're going to pray for this boy. They're telling their next level, and ultimately to the apostles. Hey, we got a tough case over here. We've been praying for this kid, and it's not working. I mean, we've used the name of Jesus just like we did before. We laid hands on him just like we did before. We commanded in Jesus' name just like we did before. But it's not working this time. You guys need to come and pray. Those are the seeds of doubt and unbelief. What are the disciples thinking as they're walking down there? What are the apostles thinking as they're walking down to this location where the boy is? They're rehearsing in their minds. I wonder why the words of Jesus didn't work. Instead of saying in their mind, as Jesus did, bring him here to me and I will cast them out. I will speak the words of authority in Jesus' name, and he will be healed. Instead of doing that, they were rehearsing in their minds, probably talking with one another. What are we going to do if we can't heal this kid? Jesus isn't here. What are we going to do? So when they got down there, the demons are, you know, in case you didn't know, there are demons around you at all times taking notes. There's demons here in this studio. We prayed them out, glory to God. I do not listen to them, for I only listen to the voice of my shepherd, and the voice of another I will not follow. But they're still there taking notes. And when they get into this situation, they'll start comparing notes with one another. And if they can get you angry about something, let's say, you know, You're a clean freak, and somebody walks on your carpet with dirty shoes, and you completely lose. That person was influenced by, hey, you want to see this? Tell them just to walk through on our carpet and see what happens. Ha, 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 ha. We got them mad. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, that's what they're doing. They're comparing notes at all times. And I know that the disciples were rehearsing words of doubt and unbelief. As they got down to where this boy was, so the demons were like, you don't have to go. They have doubt and unbelief in their heart. That's all they've been talking about coming down here. And that was the result. Now Jesus, as he cast out the devil, and then he goes into the house to relax, and, and he's staying separated with his apostles. They said, why couldn't we cast this one out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. They had unbelief in their heart. They had unbelief in the power and authority of their words. It may have been just a little bit of unbelief. But look at what Jesus uses. If there's no unbelief in your heart, and you only have a mustard seed size of faith, That little tiny mustard seed. Let's refer to it so that in America you know what I'm talking about. If you took a little apple seed, just a little little tiny apple seed, not the whole apple, just the one seed from the core. If you had that much faith with no unbelief, that's all the faith you had. Jesus said you could use it to move a mountain, and that mountain would obey you. What mountain do you have in your life right now? Is it a mountain of sickness, a mountain of disease, a mountain of debt? That's a huge mountain of debt. And every time you look at those bills, every time you go to pay those bills, does that mountain of debt speak to you? Speak to me, Brother Bob. Oh, yeah. That mountain of bills and debt will speak. It will say, you don't have enough money to pay us this month. Or all you can do is make the minimum payment. It'll be 30 years before you pay this off. You're not going to be able to do any work for the Lord for the next 25, 30 years. Because we're taking all your money. You have no more money. You have nothing. Matter of fact, we're gonna. You know, you you've been watching the news. There's gonna be layoffs coming. Companies closing. You're not even gonna have this money. How are you gonna pay your bills when you don't have a job? See, those bills, that debt, that's a demonic spirit, and it's talking to you all the time. How many of you go to bed at night worrying about your job, worrying about paying your bills? That's doubt and unbelief speaking to you. And that's why Jesus says here, because of your unbelief. That's why you can't pay those bills off. Because of your unbelief, that's why your child is sick. Because of your unbelief, that's why you're going to lose your job. But if you would cast out this unbelief and have faith only as big as a little tiny seed, like an apple seed. You could speak to whatever mountain is in your way and command it to move out of your presence. Bills be paid in the name of Jesus. Sickness be healed in the name of Jesus. Demonic possession, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. See how that works? That's what Jesus is telling his disciples. You can't do these things because you still have unbelief. Because if you did not have unbelief, but had faith that was only as big as a little, 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 tiny, tiny, tiny seed, you could say to a mountain, get out of my way, and it would obey you, and nothing shall be impossible for you. Amen? Glory to God. In Mark, chapter 9, verse 29, Jesus says, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Over in Matthew, chapter 17, verse 21, But this kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting. Now, This has been taught, this has been taught over and 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 over 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 again in churches that he's talking about this kind of demon cannot go forth but by prayer and fasting. That's what I've been taught in churches for years. But that's not what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Jesus has just got them talking to them about their unbelief. And then he says, you can't do this. You could not cast that one out because you have unbelief. And then he gives them an example of what they could do if they just had this minuscule amount of faith. But let's eliminate that. That's an example of what's possible if you have faith to believe. And we'll move that to the end. And let's read the first part of verse 20. Jump down to verse 21. And then go back up talk about the seed of faith. And look at how clear this becomes. All right. Matthew chapter 17 verse 20. Well, we'll start in verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus, once they were apart, and said, Why couldn't we cast this devil out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. You still have unbelief. You still doubt the authority of your words. Verse 21. But this kind of unbelief, this kind of doubt in the power and authority of your words, this kind of unbelief does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Look at how clear that just became. Amen? I mean, we've been taught, (laughs) I have been taught in churches that he, you know, Jesus is talking about this kind of demon cannot come out but by prayer and fasting. Why would a demon be affected by prayer and fasting? Well, brother Bob, we fast so we get God to give us the power to cast that demon out. No, your fasting doesn't move God. God's not moved by you being hungry. God is not moved by fasting. God is not moved by your prayers. He's only moved by faith. Did you catch that? God is only moved by faith. Now we go back up and look at the example Jesus gave. If you only had that tiny bit of faith, you could speak to a mountain and command it to move out of your presence. Look at how that just flows now. Does it make so much sense? When I've seen this, I mean, it just exploded in my spirit. And I could see for the first time how just a little bit of unbelief can negate the little bit of faith that you have. If you have great faith, it takes great unbelief to negate that faith. But if you have great faith, it only takes a little tiny bit of unbelief and doubt to at least slow down the manifestation of what you're praying about. And when that manifestation is slowed down, the disciples were used to praying for someone and having an immediate result. You got to remember up until this time nobody could tell them what to do. Nobody. Nobody could tell the demons that were inhabiting people what to do. That's why when Jesus went in the churches, the demons <laughs> the <laughs> the demons that were in the synagogues there were demons actually in the synagogues. That's how powerless the synagogues were. That's so much doubt and unbelief it were in the synagogues that when Jesus walked in the people that were possessed by demon spirits began to cry out Oh Jesus, we know who you are you're the Messiah have you come to cast us out before our time? And Jesus would have to tell them shut up shut up you don't speak to me, you don't tell people who I am shut up And then he cast them out and they'd be gone. But there were demons in the midst of the synagogues and nobody even knew it. Amen. So here, Jesus is telling them this kind of unbelief does not go out but by prayer and fasting. Again, fasting does not move God. The Bible says God is moved by faith. Amen. God is only moved by your faith. Now, let's reference again the mountain of bills. We'll use that as an example. When you look at your mountain of debt and it speaks to you, oh, it does speak. It does speak. We'll flip back for a minute. Uh, we haven't made it that far and in Mark chapter uh, 9. But over a few chapters in verse 11, amen, it talks about Jesus speaking to the fig tree. Amen. And the fig tree, Jesus approached it because he was hungry and there were leaves on the fig tree. Now, there's two different kinds of fig trees. One produces figs in the fall. The other produces figs before the leaves form. Amen? That's the kind that's in Israel. There's two different kinds, but there's constantly figs, some in the spring, some in the fall. The one in the spring, Jesus is going to, and he sees leaves on it, So he's thinking, okay, there's figs on this tree. He gets up to it, and what does it say? It says that in 11, verse 13, Seeing a fig tree far off, having leaves, Jesus came to it, if perhaps he could find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Verse 14, And Jesus answered He didn't answer the disciples. The disciples like, there's no figs on this tree. He didn't answer them. He's answering the tree. The tree is speaking to Jesus. The tree, now, remember, Jesus is the creator of all things. He's been there with God at the beginning. I'll just go over to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, the word. Without him, without the word, without Jesus, there was not anything made that was made. Jesus created that fig tree. That fig tree is now talking to Jesus. It is a corrupt fig tree. It produced leaves without producing figs. It is corrupt. It is corrupted. There's something wrong with that fig tree. And it is talking to Jesus. It is telling Jesus, You have no authority over me. I do what I want. I don't want to produce figs. Do you see that? That's what's happening. That's why it says Jesus answered this fig tree. Because this fig tree is telling him, I'm not giving you nothing to eat. I do what I want when I want. And I don't want to produce figs. And Jesus answered it and said, no one will eat fruit of you hereafter Forever. And his disciples heard him, and he turned around and just walked off. He didn't argue with it. He didn't tell the boys to chop this tree down by the roots. Get rid of it. It's made me mad. Now he just spoke the word. He spoke the desired result. That tree told Jesus, I'm not giving you anything to eat. It may be time for figs on me but I refuse to obey you. He's corrupted. That tree is corrupted. And Jesus answered it. He answered what the tree was saying to him and said, All right, if that's the case, nobody will ever eat figs from you forever. And turned around and walked off. Tree's got a problem now. Words of faith have been spoken over it. There was no doubt in Jesus' name, and Jesus speaking the end result to that tree. He went on into Jerusalem, did looked around and all that that day, left, went back out to where they were spending the night. Next day, he came back walking by. And verse 20: as they passed by this tree, they're on their way back from Bethany, spend the night in Bethany. As they passed by the tree, they saw the fig tree dried up. It withered up from its roots. And Peter remembered what Jesus had spoken to the tree. said, Master, look at the tree. You cursed it and now it's withered away. And Jesus answering said to them, Have faith in God. For verily I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, but shall believe. Or shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Now notice that. Item number one. Shall not doubt in his heart. If you do not have doubt in your heart, that means you do not have unbelief. If you do not have unbelief and you do not doubt, Whatever thing you say which he says shall come to pass he shall have whatever he says that's why i say to you whatsoever things you soever you desire when you pray when you ask god for them believe you receive them and you shall have them Amen. So here, back over in Matthew, he's talking about your unbelief. You cannot cast the problems out of your life because of your unbelief. First, we have to get rid of the unbelief. Then, once we get rid of your unbelief, if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you could tell this mountain, Be thou removed to yonder place, and it should obey you. you. Whatever you say, if you believe you receive it when you pray it, you shall have it. That is what happens when we get rid of your unbelief. But this kind of unbelief can only go out by prayer And by fasting. That is the secret. If you want a secret formula. A secret formula that will get you over each and every time. It is get rid of the doubt and the unbelief. By prayer. And by fasting. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get that? Now. When you're talking about fasting, let's just talk about that for a second. When you are talking about fasting, and how can I say this? If you are fasting to get things, you are fasting. For the wrong reason. Amen. You cannot, you cannot fast trying to get God to do something. He's not gonna do it. He's only moved by faith. Amen. He is only moved by faith. God does you could fast forty days. And he's not going to be moved by it, you know. And you have people that do that. They they talk about, well, I'm going to fast. You know, I'm I need my bills to be paid, and I'm going to fast. What what does fasting got to do with paying your bills? Amen. If we turn over to Isaiah, uh, chapter 58, Isaiah 58. Glory to God. And verses 3 to 14. Wherefore have we fasted, they say? How come you don't see? Why have we afflicted our soul and you take no knowledge of it? Look, in the day of your fast you find pleasure and you exact all your labors. Look, you fast for strife and debate to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is this such a fast that I've chosen, a day for a man to afflict his own soul? Is it a day to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Isn't this the fast that I've chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal your bread to the hungry, and that you bring the poor that are cast out to your house? When you see the naked, that you should cover him, and that you do not hide yourself from your own flesh, then shall your light break forth as the morning, and your health shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, The glory of the Lord shall be your reward. Then you shall call and the Lord shall answer. Then you shall cry and he shall say, Here I am. If you take away from the midst of you the yoke, the putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity, if you draw out your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall your light rise in obscurity. Your darkness will be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your soul in drought, and make fat your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And they that shall be of you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach." the restorer of paths to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Back over. That, if you want to... If you want to fast, there's your outline right there. Don't do it trying to get God to do something. That's we, You see that in verse 3. That's how we fasted. How come you don't see? How come we've afflicted our soul? We've afflicted ourselves by not eating. But yet God takes no knowledge of it. Look, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. You think you're doing the right thing. You think you're impressing God because you've gone two days and six hours and 18 minutes without eating. No. You don't fast to get God to do something. You fast to get your body, your soul... Okay, Lord. Amen. You know you are a triune being correct you are a spirit your spirit has a soul and you live in a body amen so there's three aspects spirit soul and body and what the body is going to be the follower So whatever is the strongest in you, the body's going to follow. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's why when you say something like, I will go over here, that is an expression of your will. Your soul has made a decision. Your mind has spoken it. Now, your body lines up with it. The spirit man may say, "Don't go over there." You might be saying, "I will go to this bull roast, even though there's alcohol and all that stuff there. know you know, yeah, you know uh, I, I don't drink a lot, but I'll have some every now and then. You know, We're going to go over here and have some fun. Your soul made the decision. Your mind is in agreement with it. Your body's going to follow. Your spirit man is saying, don't go over there. You know you're supposed to go to church tonight. Don't go over there. People will see you and they're going to question the faith that you have in the word. Because they'll see you drinking. Don't go over there. But your soul shuts out, or your mind shuts out, what the spirit is saying. So your body follows along. Fasting is designed to shut off the five physical senses. Hear, taste, smell, see, touch. Amen. When you fast, you may decide, I'm not going fa- to eat anything today. I have this problem. I don't know what to do about it. But I know the answer is in Jesus. The answer is in the word. So I'm going to separate myself this day. I'm not going to eat. I'm only going to drink water. And I'm going to spend the day in the word. Listening to CDs. Watching DVDs. Watching Christian television reading the Word of God, and I'm not going to eat anything until I receive inspiration from the Holy Spirit about how to deal with this situation. Now, your body, when you do that, your body is going to tell you, you know what, Uh, We can go and have us a barbecue today. We can stop down here at Dunkin' Donuts. We can go over to Dairy Queen. I mean, it's going to do everything it can to change your mind. And that's when you, by the spirit that's within you, if you had faith as large as just a grain of mustard seed, now is the time To stand on that faith, as little as it is, and say, body, I rebuke you by the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, whose I am and whom I serve. Soul, you get out of the way. I shut you down. I'm only moved by my spirit at this point in time. Now, your mind's going to start talking. You know, the baseball game's on. You know, you can go over here. You can go out and work in the yard. You know, you can go over here and do this. And your decision is to stay in the Word all day long. The day goes by, you still don't have an answer. All right? And the body's like, oh, whew, glad that's over with. Let's go get something to eat. Nope. What do you mean, No. You said you're going to fast for one day. No, I said I was going to fast till I got the answer to what I'm facing, to what the problem is. So we're not eating tomorrow either. What? Now your body is really going to fight. It's going to make you so hungry. And then you tell you know, you just better shut up, stomach. Or I'm going to do this a third day. And the third day comes and the body's like, okay, it's over. Let's go get something to eat. Nope, still haven't got the answer to my prayer that I've been praying about. We're going to fast today also. Maybe at 6 o'clock tonight we'll end the fast, if I get the answer. And the body is like, we can't wait to 6 o'clock. We're going to starve to death. It's been two and a half days. We need to eat. I need some energy. You give me something to eat now. If you don't shut up, I'm going to go for a fourth day. And finally, the mind and your soul is going to tell the body, Body, shut up. If you keep talking to him, he's going to starve us to death. Just shut up. And then the soul takes over the promptings of the body. Your mind shuts down the five physical senses. And now your body is under subjection to your soul, and your soul is yielding subjection to your spirit. Now you are a spirit led man. And as you stay in the word and stay in prayer, stay in your fasting, what happens if you don't get an answer that day? If you feel led of the spirit, you say, Well, we'll go a fourth day. What? Fourth day? You'd say that this would be the end of it. I'll keep it going. Your soul's going to tell the body, Shut up, body, shut up. End of the fourth day, perhaps you get the answer you're looking for. Usually it's going to be a, a word inspired by the word of God. It could be something another minister says. It could be something that somebody at the gas station says to you. Somebody could call you. Something your pastor says at church. Whatever the case may be, something is going to latch onto your spirit. And you're like, that's it. That's what I've been waiting for. So then you go home and you pray about it. Yeah, that's the answer right there. That's what I've been waiting for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for the answer. And I'm going to end this fast now. I give you praise for the word of God. And you end the fast. Now, a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months go by, something else comes up. And you feel led. Now, you don't do this. It's not a magic formula. It's only as you sense the Spirit of God telling you to do this, you go into another fast. And as soon as you do, your body is going to start fighting it. Another fast you just did one two months ago. Why are we doing this again? We're hungry. we gotta eat, and you tell the body, if you keep this up, I'm gonna keep it a, keep this fast going a second day. Matter of fact, we may go four days just because, and what's gonna happen then is your mind and your soul's gonna tell the body, shut up, if you don't stop this, he's gonna keep it up, and suddenly your body. Becomes yieldable, yielding to your spirit and your soul. The body is a follower. And maybe after one or two days you get the answer this time. And you stop it. A couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months later. You decide I need to go on another fast. This time your body's going to say, I'm not going to say anything. Because if I say something, he's going to extend it. So I'm just going to sit here and go with the flow. Now you have taken authority over your body. It has yielded to your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So your soul is now yielded to the power of your spirit. Which your spirit... You are a new man created in the image of Christ who's in the image of God. So you have the Spirit of Christ in you. That is your spirit. And now your soul, your mind, will, and emotions is made up. You're going to obey the spirit within you. And your body has made the decision. It's going to stay under subjection to your soul and your spirit. And your entire being is now yielded to the will of God. That is what Jesus meant when he said this kind of unbelief only goes out by prayer and by fasting. That's what he meant. Amen. Do you see that? Now in Matthew chapter 6 verse 16, Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And in verse 16, he says, moreover, when you fast, not if at some point in time you decide to fast, he's saying when you fast, don't be as the hypocrites do of a sad continence. So they disfigure their faces. They refuse to wash during the periods of their fast or change their clothes. So everybody can tell they're fasting. Oh, brother so-and-so is fasting right now. Oh, he is so holy. He fasts at least once a day, or once a week, or once a month. Or This is his two-week period of fasting that he does every year at this time. No, just don't do like the hypocrites do. Don't look sad. Don't. Disfigure your face so it can appear to men that you're in your fast. For that is their reward, that other men recognize they are fasting. Verse 17, but you, when you fast, go ahead and anoint your head. Wash yourself up. Keep yourself clean. Change your clothes. So that on the outward appearance to other men, you don't appear to men to fast. But your Father, which is in secret, your Father sees secretly what you are doing and that you're doing it not for the praises of men, but you are seeking Him, seeking God. So your Father shall reward you openly. Amen? Your Father shall reward you openly. If you turn the page... Verse 33, let's go to 31. Take no thought. Now, you're in your fast. It's not publicized. You're not appearing outwardly to fast. You're just seeking God. Amen? Verse 31 says, therefore, take no thought. Whatever it is that's bothering you, that mountain of debt in front of you, and you're seeking God on how to pay it off. Lord, help me to live without using credit cards. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Father. Help me, Holy Spirit, to not use credit cards, to not go into debt, but to pay off debt so that I can live, according to Romans thirteen eight to owe no man anything but love. And that's what you're praying. That's what you're seeking God for. That's what you're fasting for. Verse 31, Jesus says, Therefore, take no thoughts, saying, What are we going to eat? Or what can we drink? Or with all will we clothe? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. The Gentiles who have no relationship with God, they seek those sorts of things. But your Heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. Seek first God's kingdom, God's way of doing things. Seek first the righteousness of God. You have been recreated in the image of Christ. You have a new spirit within you. One that is what? Righteous in the eyes of the Father. So you're seeking God's way of doing things. You're trying to act in the, the righteousness that Jesus has given to you. He took your sin, your iniquities, the chastisement of his peace. He bore all the sicknesses, all the diseases, all of the pain, all of the punishment, all of the curses, all of the beatings, all of the pain. He bore it all, that belonged to you. And he took it upon himself. And he gave to you, what? His righteousness in the eyes of the Father. Amen. He did that for you. So you seek first the kingdom of God and his his righteousness that you have through Jesus. And all these things shall be added for you. And then verse 34, Therefore, take no thought about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to have enough problems of its own. Sufficient unto today is the evil thereof. Amen. Don't worry about tomorrow. Concentrate on today. We'll use the example again of the mountain of bills. I need to buy clothing for my... Kids to go to school in September. How am I going to do this? I need at least five, $600. and We always use the credit card to get it. And God's saying, don't use the credit card today. Just trust me. But if I don't do this, just trust me. Don't do it today. Now, tomorrow's a different story. But we'll worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow. Just concentrate on today. If you're an alcoholic, if you're a glutton, you have a spirit of gluttony. We need to cast that thing out. But your body is going to say, I need that drink. If you're a smoker trying to quit, I need that cigarette. God's saying, "Don't worry about tomorrow." How am I gonna How am I gonna live like this? I need. I, I've been drinking for thirty years. I need that drink. I don't know how I can live, you know, from now until whenever without alcohol. God's saying, "Don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. Pray about today." If you see an advertisement for alcohol on TV and that taste of alcohol comes immediately into your mouth and I'm speaking from past experience, you need to say, no, I refuse to do that. I only take thoughts of Christ. I seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. I don't worry about this anymore. That is not me anymore. I'm fasting alcohol. Amen. You're fasting alcohol. You're fasting cigarettes. One day at a time. One hour at a time. One minute at a time if you have to. You may be at a barbecue at a friend's house or something, and they offer you cigarettes or a beer. You just tell them, no, I'm not smoking anymore. Five minutes later, someone comes up and asks you again. He said, No. I'm not smoking anymore. I'm not drinking anymore. Five minutes at a time. One minute at a time. Eventually that becomes easier and easier and easier and easier. Hallelujah. You're getting your strength from God. You're fasting that temptation. It's been 20 three years since I had a drink of alcohol now. I'm still fasting it. Glory to God. I refuse to relent. My body no longer craves it. My body doesn't want it. My body would reject it. My mind, my will, my emotions all say no. I have it lined up under the subjection of my spirit. Amen. Every now and then, the devil come in and say, I was at a wedding yesterday. I did a wedding yesterday prior to this broadcast. And the group said, here, you want a drink? Nope, sorry, I don't drink. It wasn't even a temptation. The offer was there. I mean, it was a temptation. I just, nope. That was it. Now, there was a time 23 years ago when I'd have thought about it. And I'd have said, no, I made the decision, I'm not drinking anymore. But I didn't have to do that. Yesterday. That decision was made 23 years ago. Glory to God. This kind only comes out by prayer and by fasting. Amen. And that's why Jesus said, when you do that, when you get that kind of unbelief out of you, like, I can't do that without this, I can't, I, I have to have that. No, that's unbelief. When that kind of of unbelief goes out only through prayer and fasting, then the faith you have in you, if it's even as small as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain of debt, to the mountain of the alcohol, of the mountain of drug abuse, of the mountain of cigarette, whatever mountain is in your way, you commanded in the name of Jesus, get out of my way and it shall obey you. Amen. But to have that, you need to have faith in God. And you can only have that through Jesus Christ himself. And if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you and praise you. Your word is true and works every time. I thank you that you come to me now. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Take over my life. Be the Lord of my life. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. And Lord, help me in this area that is the mountain in my life. Help me. And I give you praise for that. And I thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org. Amen. Now well, there's the music. We're all out of time. Till next time, remember, God loves you. We love you. We pray for you every day. And be blessed in all you do.
0: You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher. Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed.